Welcome, everybody. I am your host, Ryan Ogeron, and you're listening to The Lifted Podcast, the show for anyone who wants to embrace their best health to become their best self. Lifted is founded on the idea that to be our best self, we have to be at our best health. So that means we're going to be doing a lot of talking about our physical and spiritual health, especially when it comes to exercise and nutrition. All of the things that help us become our best because our best is what we need to share with the world. Today, I am going to be sitting down with Tom LaRoost, who's a good friend of mine and also a good mentor of mine. Um, he's also the owner of LaRoost's Gym for nearly 40 years here in Thibodeau. LaRoost's was one of the first gyms in Thibodeau, and through his gym, Tommy truly pioneered weight training and bodybuilding within our community. What's interesting about LaRoost's is that I had worked for Tommy uh, pretty much all throughout my high school and early college years. Um, and now you fast forward to now, um, many, many years later, in a beautiful transition, the historic LaRoost's location has come full circle and is now lifted gym. Tommy not only has a unique story, but he also has incredible insights into the world of bodybuilding and simple life wisdom that he will be sharing with us today. Enjoy the show. Mr. Tommy, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Give me the opportunity to uh, talk about bodybuilding again. Oh, yeah. A sport we both love. A sport we both love. So I had a few questions for you today, but I would like for you to first just kind of introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, well, my name is Tom LaRousse, and uh, I've been around bodybuilding for a long time, still doing it at my given age, which is 80. But uh, <clears throat> I don't see age as a, as a limiting factor uh, overall. Anyhow, Ryan asked me to do this because he worked for me at one time in the gym and had prompted him to, to get his own thing going. Uh, so, so I hope this thing will go well and that uh, I can pass on whatever little bit of knowledge I have to somebody else. Beautiful. And you did. You passed on a lot of oh, tremendous wisdom and all kind of great things to me. So I, I thank you tremendously for that. Um, so let's kind of just jump right in. Um, I know your story and how LaRusses started, but a lot of people do not. So as far as the origin story of LaRusses, go ahead and take us through how that started for you and how you ended up with LaRusses. Yeah, well, um, when I was a teenager, around 14, age of age, 14 years of age, I guess it was, I was still, uh, thumbing through a, <clears throat> a magazine that someone left laying around. And when I reached the back pages where they did their advertising, there was a small uh, uh, ad, maybe two by two inches, and it had a picture of Charles Atlas on it. And uh, it kind of took me by surprise. I'd never seen that before. And uh, uh, the caption read, don't allow bullies to kick sand in your face anymore. And so uh, I read the bottom of it, and the bottom of it said that he was selling uh, his program, which was called Dynamic Tension, if I recall correctly. Uh, anyway, that intrigued me, and uh, he had a price on there, and I think it was like 20 bucks for the course. And uh, uh, I had uh, saved up a little bit of money by doing odd jobs here or there. So I set off for the course, and uh, basically it was using your own body, your arms, to create tension and build muscle. And so I followed that thing. 
for that year. But when I turned 15 years of age, I was able to go to work with my dad in the summers because in those times, uh, back in the 50s, uh, companies were allowed to, to use minors to work, 15, 16, etc. And so I worked the summer with dad in the oil field. So you were, not to cut you off, so you were 14 years old and you ordered this system and it was just self-tension. Correct. So it wasn't any kind of weights or resistance or anything like that, except the resistance you form with your own body. Your body, and he showed you how to do that awesome. in okay. his courses. Interesting. And uh, I kept that that uh, course for a long time, but my wife and I moved around a lot when we were younger, and somewhere along the line, it, it got misplaced. So I don't have it anymore. But okay. Irregardless. Uh, so you were working when you were fifteen. You were saying. Yeah, and and I, I was intrigued with his physique, you know, and and. If this was done with, with uh, tension, uh, you know, from, from different body parts, you know, that was impressive to me. So uh, I started using it when it came in, and uh, I was doing it at the time, and had made some, some progress, I have to admit. Uh, but, you know, at that age, you're bleeding uh, testosterone, so, yeah. <laughs> so it helps. And, yeah. and I didn't know anything about testosterone at the time, but, uh, you know, looking back at it, that's Hindsight, basically yeah. how it was. Anyhow, uh, I went to work that summer and made me some money. But in addition, uh, there was a guy, he was 18 years old, he was a little older than me, that, that came to work with us at the time, and he was from that area, from the La Lafayette area. And he happened uh, to, to have a nice physique, and I started questioning him about things, and he said, well, I'm on the USL weightlifting team. And uh, <clears throat> we got to be friends, and I kept asking questions, and one weekend he asked me, to stay over. He says, ask your dad if you can stay over. You can stay at my house, and I, I want to show you something. So uh, dad agreed, and I stayed, and he was from uh, maybe about 20 miles away, a little town called Erath. And he was an only child. His mom and dad were sort of elderly, so he was born, you know, late. Uh, anyway, they lived in, in one of these old Cajun homes, meaning that uh, they had an upstairs, but the stairs were on the porch. I'm sure you've seen those things before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway... He took me up there, and he had a gym set up. I'd never seen anything like that before. And he explained a few things to me. Uh, and then he says, let me show you a bench press. So he got down on a flat bench press, and he did a few reps. And then he said, why don't you try it? And the first time I put my hands on it and did the first lift, I knew it was something I was going to do for the rest of my life because it just felt like a part of me. It felt good, you know? Wow. Anyway, he also gave me... Uh, during that weekend, he gave me a magazine, a strength and health magazine. And on the back of that magazine was uh, York Barbell Company, and they, they advertised some of their equipment and, and what they sold. And so with some of the money that I made that, uh, that summer, when I got home the following weekend, I ordered me a set of barbells from them. And it took a while to come. But during that time, I kept looking at the magazine, and it showed me benches and a squat rack and a few things like that. So I gathered some, some old two-by-fours and wood that I could find. And while I was waiting on the weights, I, uh, I made me a bench and I made me a squat rack. It was kind of shabby, but it worked. Yeah. Anyway, I started training when that, that barbell set came in. And um, not long after I started training with the weights, <clears throat> uh, Charles Atlas said, an invitation to compete. He says, send me a before picture, and in about four months we'll have uh, <clears throat> you know, an after picture sent to me, and we'll 
will uh, um, get a winner going, and if you win, or whoever wins, we'll send them a trophy. And lo and behold, uh, I didn't tell them, unfortunately, that I was weight training, but I really yeah. made a lot of gains at that point. And so, I, I won the contest, and I still have the trophy. I've got it in my man caves, and uh, uh, that thing is what now? Since the 19, early 1950s, we're talking about almost 50, 60 years, you know? That's so cool. And I said, yeah. So, so it really inspired. It was me. a contest for the resistance yeah. program that you had bought originally, yeah. mm-hmm. but he already had my before picture. Yeah, and and so now he got my after picture. I just never related, you yeah. know, indicated to him. That. But in between there, you introduced weights, right? Because you went to that that right. friend's house. I, I trained for about a year with the uh, resistance. Okay, you know, with the uh, his program, and and then. Uh, when I started weight training, I just couldn't believe the gains I was making, so I never went back to the resistance training. To it's, it's, it's beautiful how, like, so that one visit to your friend's house, yeah, and he let you use that equipment, and it, it changed the trajectory of right. everything, yeah. right? Well, and, and that's what LaRusses did for me, right? So I came over here, just a angry little kid, never really did anything athletic or working out before, and then it changed my trajectory, like my whole life. And here I am now. I actually actually own a gym now. It's just crazy, yeah. but well, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. And uh, really, truly, we can get into that a little bit later. Sure. But it's a gift that God gives. God gives gifts to everyone. You know, if you're fortunate enough to find your gift early in life, <clears throat> you can have a long life uh, with a lot of comfortability and a lot of happiness. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you won that contest. I did. And you had your equipment. Yeah. The the starting equipment, at least. So from there until Larusus. So kind of fill that gap for us because then Larusus became a thing in the future, right? So, well, what happened is that uh, I was getting older, of course, and I was in high school at, at age fifteen, and uh, I graduated in nineteen sixty at age eighteen, but. I was also a fairly good baseball player, and, and I, I made the high school team in my freshman year, and uh, <clears throat> uh, I kept weight training the whole while, and, and weight training had been introduced to football at LSU uh, mm-hmm. back in the, in the 50s, and so it was starting to come around at the high school level, but it was only there for the football players. It wasn't there for anybody else, but I had my own thing going, so I wasn't worried about it, you know? And uh, they were training for strength. I was training as a bodybuilder. You know, I always uh, was impressed, like everybody else at a young age, with with how much you can lift. But I was more impressed with bodybuilding. Anyway, during those years in high school, I uh, I walked into a uh, a drugstore for whatever reason. I can't remember. And they had a magazine rack. And so I went look at the magazine, and lo and behold, there was Strength and Health. But there was another one called Iron Man, which was strictly into heavy training and bodybuilding. And so I bought that thing. And from there, I started teaching myself and learning a lot more about weight training, you know, and bodybuilding. And it went from there. And uh, all the while, when I finished high school, there was a guy who owned a baseball team in, in an independent league, and he came home to my home, and he asked me, would I be interested in coming and playing 
baseball for him because he he had his team in the league. He used to play college teams and everything else. We played Tulane and LSU, etc. And I said, yeah, I just kept on with with it. But during the whole time, I kept weight training. Mm-hmm. You know, carrying my weights everywhere we went. I yep. got married in my early twenties, and my wife and I moved around the first four or five years. <clears throat> you know. But every time we moved, I carried my waist with me. And I can recall uh, <clears throat> when we were living down uh, <clears throat> where she was from in that area, uh, you know, houses were far and in between. And we rented an old house that was in the middle of a cane field, but right up against the wall, uh, the road, the highway. And, and I used to train at night after work under a lean-to that I had there. And I can remember people passing by in their automobiles and they they just turned around and kept looking at me. What is that fool doing? <laughs> you know, because it wasn't popular at the time. No, no. And anyway, um, <clears throat> around the, the time that I quit playing baseball, around age 26, I guess it was, because I had to go find some, some decent work that made good good living. And you, during that time, do you, do you, I had hired on at, uh, at um, uh, Shipyard. And so I learned, in the shipyard, I learned how to, to weld and how to use a, a cutting torch and, and do what they call ship fitting. And that served me well because later on, I wound up hiring at a, um, at a chemical plant, which really paid well, you know. But, but it's like riding a bike when you learn how to weld and you learn how to ship fit. So I took advantage of that and started making my own equipment you know, for, for me to personally train. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would build a squat rack and I would I'd build me a lat pull-down and, and these sort of things to where I had my own little gym going in my garage and I'd park my car outside instead of in the garage. So, uh, so a trade you, you, you had acquired for work, right. you were using to start to build equipment. Right. And if, if you go back, uh, when I told you that if, you, if you're fortunate enough to find what it is the gift that God gives you, mm-hmm. you know, this was part of it. But anyhow, I'll get back to that. <clears throat> uh, while I was training myself, a lot of the kids who were 13 and 14 in the neighborhood started coming around and watching me train. And then they started begging me to let them train. So I said to myself, well, you know what? I want to make me some more equipment so I can keep improving and training. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can use that money that they give me to buy some more steel. And that's how it worked. Before I knew it, I had like 30 young boys training at 10 bucks a month. And I would take that money and I converted it into iron to make my own equipment. Make the equipment, yeah. And then after a while, I realized, well, you know what? Maybe I can open my own gym and make a living. And uh, that's how I got into uh, building my own gym. <laughs> uh, the whole while... Uh, that I was building equipment, I'd store it. And and I got to a point to where I told my wife, this is what I want to do. And uh, she was reluctant at first, but she always was for what I wanted to do. And uh, she had a job going, so she kept her insurance, kept a job, and she had her own insurance. But I bought a piece of property, and eventually I had a metal building put on. And uh, <clears throat> that's how I started. And I had my own equipment. She was She knew how to sew, so... We use her to, to sew the upholstery, and, and we fixed all the equipment, put it in and open. One day in 1979, I had to, to quit my job to open a gym because we didn't have all of this 
technologies that we have today. So that's that's so cool that the original La Russes was basically your garage. Originally, right? Yeah. It might not have been called La Russes, but no. that's it had people, no name actually. That's when people started going to your no. gym, really. And all those kids that were training over there, you know, they they came over and joined the gym and they had a lot of friends. And at the time, what was uh, interesting was that Pumping Iron, the documentary had come out and uh, <clears throat> Arnold had attracted a lot of attention. So people yeah. were interested in bodybuilding. He introduced bodybuilding to the general public, you know. And so everything worked out and that's how God works, you know. Uh, <clears throat> in other words, weight training and bodybuilding was <clears throat> my gift. But it took God... <clears throat> All of these years, almost, almost, I was 37 when I opened the gym. It took him that long to train me, and the timing was perfect. And and I opened the gym, and things just took off from there. You know, and so here I am after all these years, and still doing it. That's beautiful. So yeah, you can you can see in hindsight, especially now. So all the skills that you had acquired. Um, even the skills Miss Roberta had acquired with the upholstery and stuff, right? And it all comes together into what LaRusse's was. Right. And, and even then, we would walk around the gym, because even when I was a member in the 2000s, many years after you opened, we would walk around and we'd be amazed at some of the equipment that you had made yeah. way back when, probably before most of us were born. That you still have a couple of pieces. And that we still have here at Lifted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But um, <clears throat> the intriguing part was, at that time, even though bodybuilding had made a splash through Pumping and Iron and Arnold, no one really, really knew anything about it. Mm-hmm. I was the only one that had taught myself. That's another thing. I had taught myself about bodybuilding for, for all these years, you know, from 14 all the way up to now 37 years of age. And so when I reflect back on it, I realize that that was one of my gifts, my main gift, and uh, how God had trained me all those years to make a living out of it. And I wound up making a nice living out of it. Yeah. So uh, I believe your next question well, and that's, kind of goes into that. Yeah, no. Um, and that's, that's what I tell people too. And that's what I mean when I say that you pioneered bodybuilding and exercise and fitness and resistance training in this area is you started this when it wasn't really a thing. Right. You know, you would like you just said, you ordered the program with the tension, the arm tension wasn't even weights yet. And you had adopted weights really early on. And then you brought that here with your gym. And then bodybuilding wasn't really in this area. And you kind of brought that too. So when I say you pioneer, like, and that's what I mean, and a lot of people don't realize it, but you literally pioneered that movement in this area. And it's a beautiful thing because now look at what it is. Yeah. A lot of my, uh, <clears throat> my acquaintances, my friends, uh, they were kind of reluctant you know, uh, about me succeeding in this because I left a job where I was making $1,600 a month and, and that was very difficult, you know, to do. But uh, something inside of me, you know how they talk about a gut feeling? It's something God's nudges. told me, yeah. if you don't do this, you're going to regret it, you know, and, and I just trusted that this is what God wanted me to do mm-hmm. and so I was going to do it. And, you know, my dad and others... They were kind of reluctant, but eventually, you know, he came around before I opened up. And uh, uh, once I opened it, everybody got behind me, and uh, the community really, uh, you know, really came on in. It, it just it just exploded. 
Absolutely. And I think and, and you see it continuing to mold through Lift It Now, right? So something you started, if you would have never started what you did, well, then I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing. So you can see that transition. And that goes into our last question, actually, which is, did you ever imagine that the legacy that you started, the things that you pioneered way back when, when you opened LaRusses, did you ever imagine that it would live on through things like this, through like what I'm doing, through Lift It? No, no, it never occurred to me. I was just preoccupied with making a living. Mm-hmm. At, at doing what I what I wanted to do, but um, but you can see that it did. I mean, it's it's a beautiful because thing. it did. I want to thank the community for supporting the health club for those all those years, thirty seven years. You know, they they never wavered. Uh, you know, it, it proved itself, and uh, so I thank the community. And in addition, I hope that uh, uh, the business and the health club was able to give back to the community as much as it received. And I feel that I did. Like, like I want to thank you for um, allowing me to share that story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing how uh, what goes around comes around, and here we are. Yes, sir. You know, and and uh, uh, bodybuilding is very viable now. Very. You know, it's never going to be the sport that football and and uh, <clears throat> baseball and basketball and all these other sports. It's never going to be that as popular. You know, it's never going to make that kind of money. But still, when you consider what Arnold and them were making, and that was a lot of money, $100,000 for winning the Olympia. Now it's around $500,000 from what I gather. You know, and another thing is, it sort of, it sort of made a, a, a go-around. Uh, what I mean by that is, from what I gather, the way bodybuilding contests are now, uh, <clears throat> Yes, you still have the type of people that are doing the steroids and they're getting to be so big. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I are, admire that kind of thing. But most people don't. And the general public, though, what they've come around to is the Frank Zane type of physique. You know, that's what's being judged now. Yeah. And and, uh, and that's where physique comes in, yeah. you know, those categories. Yeah. So... So, like, anybody can reach and become a professional football player or baseball player, no matter what their size. But now bodybuilding is allowing that. More inclusive. So the general public, yeah, you know, there's something for everybody in bodybuilding now. And so if whatever we did through the years and what you're doing uh, has brought bodybuilding up to that level, well, then I'm grateful for that, you know, and I'm glad that I stuck it out. Yes. Well, I can, I can speak for the community and the people that I know and for myself that we're very grateful for what you started and what LaRusse did for this community um, and the people that were part of it. Well, that's nice to hear. And it's very gratifying. Yeah. So you started training the Charles Atlas thing. You had ordered that when you were, you said 13? About 14. About 13, yeah. 14. And then here you are now. You want to go ahead and share your age? Yeah, I'm 80 years old. 80 years old. So from, from 13, 14 until 80 years old. You've consistently trained. Correct. Right? So even to this day, you've been training all those years. What keeps you motivated to keep that training going? Because obviously you had baseball, you had bodybuilding, mm-hmm. and now here you are 80, you know, you're retired, but you're still after it. Yeah. Share with us what, what that intrinsic motivation is. Well, I, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I have never in all my entire life had a workout where uh, when I finished, I had that on top of the world feeling after every workout. Some workouts are better than others. I mean, I'm human. We're all human. And some, some days we feel better than others. 
But for the most part, after every workout, it has never failed to where I have that on top of the world feeling. And that's, that gives me that, that uh, great anticipation of, for the day. And, and uh, I don't know, it, it builds character, it builds confidence, and I'm ready to tackle the world. And I still feel that way, you know? Hundred percent, and I can relate to that because I mean, first thing I do when I wake up is I train. You know, five five thirty in the morning, and it sets the tone for my day. It anchors my day, um, just like prayer does for me. You know, exactly. Um, and and I look forward to my workouts. It's not a drudgery for me. Yeah, there are days that are better than others, but if I didn't weight train, I would probably uh, have a, a, a dread of going to work one particular day for whatever reason or another. You know. And now on the science side of things, like there's a lot of research and data out there that proves exactly what you just said, that exercise dramatically improves mental health and our ability to be productive and want to go, you know, chase something and achieve something. Yeah. Well, look at, look at it this way. Uh, when you do bodybuilding <clears throat> or, or you weight train for, for whatever reason, uh, you're going to take in more oxygen and oxygen increase you know, it just causes the blood to flow. And, and so you have a clearer mind. Uh, yeah. it, it works the internal organs, not only just the, the muscles of the body, but uh, uh, there's just so much about it that's beneficial for you, you know? Yeah. So it's a byproduct. Uh, bodybuilding was creative for me, and it still is. And you know? even in the clinical setting for me, as, as a dietitian, when I worked in the behavioral health clinics, I would see these people with depression, anxiety, ADHD, ADD, and I would literally prescribe them resistance training, like go work out two, three times a week, and their their conditions would dramatically improve, yeah. you know, so I've seen it in that aspect too, so what you're saying has a lot of truth to it. Um, okay, so a common question that you get in the gym scene is how much you lift, right? Yeah. So share with us your best lifts in the gym as far as maybe squat, bench, yeah. deadlift. Well, I don't think that my lifts are going to be uh, too impressive. But still, because I always preferred bodybuilding to, to powerlifting. The power, correct. You know, I was, I was never really uh, gung-ho on that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it occurred to me, too. But uh, to answer your question, uh, I did a 500-pound uh, squat. Okay. I was able to do that for a while. And uh, 555 on, on deadlift. And... My weakest has always been uh, bench pressing, but 325 was the best I ever did on the bench, you know, for reps. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, that's not too impressive compared to what, what I've read over the years, especially with the powerlifters. But for me... Uh, but that wasn't your goal. Your goal wasn't strength. It was muscle, yeah. But if that answers your question, that was about it for me. No, yeah, yeah. And But, and but still 500 pounds... Is a good is a good weight for somebody my size. I'm just that's a very good weight. Mind. And for and for the listeners that are listening, so that's not with gear. So with powerlifting, a lot of times people use the suits, they use the wraps, they use the all those things right to help right. them assist the lift. You weren't using none of that because you were bodybuilding. Right. So that's an important thing to to consider. And how much did you weigh? What was your peak weight as far as your competition? Uh, I got up to to two twenty five, bulked up. Okay, but competition. I was at uh, one, if I remember right, one ninety one when I won the Gulf States. You know, after I died it down, mm -hmm. and uh, that's the best I ever looked. And and that that picture that we have in the front is from the Greater Gulf States, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. um, 
And a lot of people see that picture and they ask questions about it, which is awesome because it gives me an opportunity to share with them you, your story, what you did, what Larusis was and everything else, especially the younger generation that probably wasn't even born yet, you know. Um, so moving on then, we talked about the greater Gulf states. I know that was a huge victory for you whenever mm-hmm. you competed at that competition. What was your biggest accomplishment in the sport of bodybuilding? Well, yeah, winning the, the, uh, the Gulf states in 1986 qualified me for the nationals. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, that particular contest uh, was probably my greatest accomplishment in competition and in the sport. But, but while bodybuilding, there's, there's other things like judging and promoting contests and, of course, owning the gym and being able to, to be around it my whole life. But uh, the competition and winning the Gulf States allowed me to compete at the Nationals. Mm-hmm. However, when I got to the Nationals, I looked around and I saw guys who were half my age that were already better than me. And I've been training most of my life. So I said to myself, and, and you know, I wasn't heavy in, into the steroids. And I knew what it would require to get like these guys. And, uh, that wasn't for me. Anyway, um, I realized that, that competition was probably over for me, but it didn't mean that, that I was going to quit training, which I didn't. And, and uh, not competing anymore allowed me to concentrate more on my business and, and, and other things. So I stayed involved through judging sure. and, and through competing, uh, I mean, promoting contests, and, uh, and, and continued to train because I wanted to continue to get better. It's still that way today, even at my age. I train with intensity still at age 80 because it's just a natural thing to do. If I don't get into that groove of intensity, then I'm just going through the motions. And uh, somehow, some way, that's ingrained in me to where I'm wasting my time. And, and when you won the Greater Gulf State, so like the highlight, the biggest accomplishment for you, how old? You were 46? I was 44. 44. At the time. And, and here I am competing against guys that came from Florida from Alabama, Mississippi, and Texas, over, yeah. you know, and, and they were, we had a big group, and, I won, and that was held in New Orleans, and I won that, that particular contest in 86, and so as far as I'm concerned, uh, that was my Mr. America, you know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Still, <laughs> and I would even argue, Mr. Tom, that what, what you did outside of the competition holds a lot more weight than what you did in competition. Yeah. And that, we already talked about a lot of that with what you did with LaRusses and, and for our community. Um, so you mentioned still training now and still training with intensity. How do you feel you had to adapt your training from way back when, when you were competitive, to, to now at your age? Yeah, well, as you know, uh, as you get older, your uh, level of testosterone diminishes. So that's one factor. But the biggest factor through the decades, you know, when I went from – 50 to 60, 70, and now 80 years old. Uh, <clears throat> what you find is that you just don't recover like you used to, particularly now. And, and so <clears throat> what I've had to do is, is uh, fool around with the frequency of training. In other words, I've tried different things, uh, from, from training six days a week to training three days a week. And now what works for me is that I train two days a week. And I actually train each body part except weight stomach. I train that each workout, you know. But, uh, and, and sometimes 
I'll train something twice a week, you know, like legs or whatever. But for the most part, I'm training each body part uh, one day a week. But it, I train twice. I split the body in two parts. On Mondays, I'll go in at 6 o'clock in the morning. I have my own home gym. And I train uh, chest and shoulders and, uh, and, and waist, stomach. And, and uh, I train arms twice a week also. And so I'll train biceps and triceps on Mondays. Then on, uh, on Thursdays, I'm allowing myself two days yeah. you know, to recover because I find I'm able to do that. But any more than that, I just don't recover. I stay, I stay super sore all the time, and that's not fun. You know, although I like soreness, you know, I want that uh, uh, soreness to go away so that I can go back and train. And, and I do. On Thursdays, uh, I'm over it, uh, the soreness, and, and then I train legs and back and biceps and triceps and, of course, waist stomach. And that's how I break it up. And, uh, hey, look. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I also realized uh, that when you reach late 60s and 70s and 80s, that people don't want to see that kind of body on stage. They're looking at youth, you know. Mm -hmm. And I still look youthful in clothes, but, you know, I still have my old age that shows up in, in, in your body parts. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, the competition has been over for me for a long time. But I compete with myself all the time, mm -hmm. always trying to get better, you know. And that's, that's what keeps me motivated is, is to uh, make progress. Uh, not only do I have the, the, the health side of it, the conditioning, etc., you know, that's a byproduct of, of bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. But bodybuilding is my focus, you know, because you more or less carry your trophy around when you walk around and somebody looks at you from a distance and say, man, I'd like to look that like that. I wish I could look like that. But you can't wish things in life. You know, it, it doesn't work. You've yeah. got to put in the work. They, and you've got to train if, if you want it. That's so common, too. They, they see the end product, but they don't see right. all the training sessions, all the sacrifices, the meals you're eating, right. e everything. You right. know, everything that goes into it, you know. And, exactly. And, and the big thing... The biggest thing with having a physique, you have to learn to be humble about it, you know, because you have your family and you, have, you can't be self-centered about it. So you've got to pay attention and, and your family is going, to, is going to allow you to do this and enjoy it and never complain about it because you don't bring it to them. You don't shortchange them. You know, you do what you need to do as a married man for your kids and for your wife, etc., you live your family life, and and then you're able to do these other things, and and they don't they don't have anything against it because you're not neglecting them, and that's the big thing. You have to stay humble. In other words, you know you you see a lot of these guys come up on stage and they're, they're doing this, mm -hmm. you know. And to me, if you have a physique that's worth that, people are going to do it for you. But if you have to ask for it, you know, you're wasting your time. Go do something else. Buy yourself a trophy, you know. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> and it's funny you say that because so we went to state in September. My buddy uh, Derek and I we went watch the competition because we got a lot of guys here that that compete um, and they did really well. Um, and there was a few guys that when they were on stage they were kind of like, you know, like taunting the fans. See it to, all the time. Taunting the fans to cheer for him, right? And I nudged Derek and I said, "See, if Mr. Thomas judging, he wouldn't be going for that." Because no. I know we talked about that before, and I, I agree with you though. I mean, either your physique speaks or it doesn't, right? Exactly. I look at it the same way. That's it's a, what it's about. It's an old school way to look at it, but I think that's 
that's the real way to look at it yeah. also. And no, regardless of how big or small you are, when you get on a posing light, if you have your body conditioned proper for contest, you look big. You know? Now, someone, if you're posing by yourself, you look humongous. Mm -hmm. Now, when they bring the big guys up on stage and you mix with them, then, of course, they can see the difference in size. But it's not just size, you know. Uh, I mean, Frank Zane won Mr. Olympia, and he weighed 185 pounds. Mm -hmm. and, and Jimmy Gobat won Mr. Universe, and that's about what he weighed, maybe 165 pounds. You know, you get that physique balanced. Yeah. And, and you get under that posing light. You know, people can't tell when you're by yourself how yeah. big you are. You just look big, but you look pleasant, pleasant to the eye because you have harmony in the body. And yeah. the muscles of the body, you know. And those guys you named, like like Frank Zane, I think that's the type of a physique that most people would be desired to have or attracted to see. So, so anyone who doesn't know who those people are, I suggest you Google it and and pull those those guys up and see what they look like in their prime. And they had a real good aesthetic about them. They weren't like big, overly massive. They had trim waist, wide shoulders. They were real conditioned, very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I think most people would choose to look like that if they could pick a body. You know, at birth. <laughs> no, uh, even Arnold Schwarzenegger, at his size, he oh, yeah. was pleasant to look at. Yes. You know, Arnold weighed 218 pounds in, in, in competition. But I have never seen anybody with a set of arms like Arnold had. I mean, from insertion to insertion, both biceps and triceps, it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, he had. <laughs> Till this day, you look at his photograph. And it's just it's just unimaginable. He he hit the genetic lottery for sure with his arm origination and insertion. Well, as far as the way they they're naturally shaped, right? I compare him in bodybuilding to Muhammad Ali and Babe Ruth. Mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali in boxing and Babe Ruth in baseball. Uh, these people, they were born to do what they did, you know, and that's what Arnold was born to do—to be a bodybuilder, because. Like Muhammad Ali, he also had the personality to where when he talked to an audience and he went on TV, you know, people didn't turn away. He was funny, and they saw him as a person mm -hmm. who happened to be a bodybuilder, you know? And that's when things started changing for bodybuilding. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's an important lesson in what you said about uh, training two days a week now. Mm -hmm. um, well, two things. Number one, your training is only as good as what you can recover from. And I think a lot of our younger athletes and, and bodybuilders and lifters can benefit from that because they think everybody needs to train six, seven days a week, but that's not the reality, right? So you said you train two days a week. I train on average three days a week current, currently, you know, just because of my schedule. And uh, I'm still able to make gains. You're still able to make gains and keep the muscle you have. Recuperation. So, yeah. So people need to hear that, though, that when you, when you strive to achieve progress when it comes to physique, bodybuilding – exercise health you don't have to be in the gym seven days a week you can do it with two three four right and i think that's valuable for people that are just getting started yeah and another thing is i would say that about every six to eight weeks i'll take a week off and let my body heal because you don't realize it but you know you're tearing muscle tissue when you're exercising it's trauma yeah so that it can rebuild itself it's nature's way nature says you're going to tear me down i'm going to build back up stronger so i can handle what you're making me do mm -hmm. and basically that's what it is but you know we have connective tissues and and what have you 
And so periodically, about every six to eight weeks, I'll take a week off from training and let my body heal itself, and then I come back to it. And taking a, a week off enhances what you're doing. It doesn't, you know, you come back just as strong. Absolutely. And I, I, I've actually witnessed that myself. And I often when I, I start to feel myself starting to downfall, and then I'll take a week off. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I come back stronger, more energized, feeling better. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's, you're sharing amazing wisdom with anybody who's going to be listening to this. Um, so with that being said, do you have any special advice for someone who's maybe just starting to embrace bodybuilding or weight training? Yeah. Like a beginner? Let me, let me explain something, <clears throat> at least the way I see it. Mm-hmm. In weight training and bodybuilding, what most people fear is not the, the movements themselves. In bodybuilding and weight training, you have pain. It's normal. You're going to have pain. If you can learn to overcome the pain of exercise, no matter what the exercise, then you're going to make progress. In other words, the way I view it is uh, when I exercise, I want to reach maximum effort. But to reach maximum effort, I have to overcome the pain. There's going to be pain. If there's no pain, then I'm not making progress. That means that you're getting into an intense level and and you get in a groove to where your mind is telling you, ah, now I'm making progress. I can feel that muscle working. And you take it from... You don't just do a partial movement when you begin your exercise. You take your, you take your exercise from, from extension to full contraction. And by doing so, you're hitting the entire muscle and, and it's going to grow back. Now, towards the end of your exercise, before you fail, if you can do partial movements, then, you know, you're making a little more progress there. And, and so if I can overcome the pain of exercise, and I have, then I can reach maximum effort. And in reaching maximum effort, then you're going to reach maximum results. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So, you know? so you're saying it's not so much the everything about the exercise that's intimidating the people, that the exercises themselves, it's the pain that comes with it and overcoming that pain. Embrace it. Yes. You know? But but don't go in on your first day or first week and use a weight to where when you get up the next morning you're so sore you can't even get out of bed. I mean, that's why, to me, you go looking for a gym and, and you look for the people that run the gym. Are they knowledgeable about what they're doing to where they can guide you and start you off with a program that is going to take you through this field to where you get to a point to where you can, you can start learning on your own and start doing it on your own. So once you've, you've found that kind of place, and you also want to find a place that, that is conducive to your personality, in other words, do you like the atmosphere there? The people that are there, can you tell? Is it relaxed? And do they have the kind of equipment that's going to allow you to do and accomplish what you want to accomplish? And then, of course, there's the price, etc. You have to take all these things into consideration. But then once you get started, my recommendation is that you pay attention to what the people that, that are around you, what they're doing, those that are advanced. Why are they training the way they're training? You know, start asking them questions after a while when you get to be a little friendly, a little familiar in the, in the facility. But be considerate. Don't go ask them in the middle of a rep or, or a set. Wait till they take their break and then get in conversation with them and ask them why they're doing what they're doing. 
and, and how they're doing it. And they'll be more than glad to share if you if you approach them at a good time, you know. Yeah. And those are the type of things that I say. Embrace what you're going to do. Don't be afraid of weight training. Uh, you can only handle the weight that's within your realm. You know, to do anything beyond, you'll wind up getting hurt, and then you'll know that you shouldn't be doing that. But you don't want to get hurt. You know, you can get to a point to where you seldom get hurt. Yeah. And I, so I think you would agree with me that the gym, the gym really teaches and also reinforces very valuable life lessons. And you just mentioned one of the most important, in my opinion, is learning how to overcome pain. Like life, we suffer in life, and I, there's no way around it, right? Um, but learning how to suffer for something meaningful is, I think, is the key. Like make, making the suffering worth it, you know? And I think that's what keeps people in this game the long term is not just the aesthetic and not just the building of muscle and the strength. That's all great things, and there's benefits to those things. But I think what keeps a lot of people in here, here long term is what we talked about before, the mental health improvements and then the life lessons that create this foundation for people, such as overcoming pain, overcoming obstacles in life, overcoming the resistance of life, lifting yourself above the resistance of life, not just lifting weights, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what Lifted is founded on. You and I talked about that before, is that concept, that very concept. Yeah, and you've got to realize that in weight training – and, and bodybuilding, it builds confidence. Mm-hmm. It builds character. Uh, Absolutely. And and you can take those type of traits in, into other facets of your life, like your work environment, your home environment, you know. And other people see you being a confident person, uh, and they want to be that way. But, you know, when, when they ask you about, well, what do you do for recreation? And you say weight training. What? You weight train? That's recreation? Of course it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you embrace it. Uh, you, it doesn't have to be a drudgery. You know, there are ways of doing that. And you've got to allow yourself time. It's just like someone who's, who's in his 50s and he wants to start a program, but he, like the person I saw at your desk when I came in, I don't know that he's 50 yet, but he's approaching that. But he never, he never has weight trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me... Uh, a person like that, first thing he should do is is what everybody else advocates, is to to maybe consult with with your doctor to make sure that you don't have any extension or or any outstanding problems, you know, that you need to look after first, and uh, then way you, that way you can incorporate. No matter what age you are, your body is going to respond. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way nature has you set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you put a weight in your hand and you start using that weight and you have difficulty with it, eventually it's going to break down the tissue to where it can go back stronger to handle it. That's just the way nature works. That's what weight training is all about. Yeah. It's a resistance. Yep. And overcoming the resistance is where is the benefit. And you can utilize it to your benefit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's correct, yeah. Yep. And we, we, we take a lot of that in when we enter people into our training program. So like, we have Blake here who's a physical therapist, and, and he'll assess them if need be. Our trainers will assess them if need be because every program looks different for depending on the person, right? I'm not going to put a 13-year-old football player on the same program that I'm going to put a, you know 80-year-old who never lifted a weight before. So that's why we have our assessments, and we, we look at what the person, how they move, do they have any tightnesses, mobilities, because not everybody should be on every machine. And that's what right? I mean when I say when you're, you're starting out 
and you're checking out gyms, that's the kind of thing you need to check out is whether the people that are running the facility and the people that are working there are knowledgeable enough to, uh, to take into consideration your age and what you're capable of and what it is you want to accomplish. Yeah. And, you know, that would be the, the most important. So, so speaking of age, I've, you, you've told me multiple times, and I'm going to quote you here, that resistance training is the fountain of youth. You told me that many times, so I want you to I want you to tell me, tell us why you say that. Because uh, in weight training, it's the only form of exercise that allows you to train every muscle group in your body if you so choose. True. Now, every form of exercise is beneficial. Mm-hmm. You ride a bike, you get great cardio. You run, you get great cardio. You do other types of exercise. You know, you get some benefit from it. But those exercises, they're limited in what they can do. They, they won't allow you to train every muscle in your body. They'll, they'll train a lot of other, a lot of parts, but they're limited in what they can do. In weight training, if you choose to use it and train every muscle group in your body, you can do that with weight training, but you can't do it with any other form of exercise. And so... Basically, that's what bodybuilding is. You're training every muscle group in your body to, to, to develop that, uh, that male physique. And that's why Frank Zane was, was ruled the most perfect physique ever, male physique. Because he trained every muscle in his body to where they all look normal and natural on him. And everybody could admire that. Now, granted, a lot of people look at, at, a, at a bodybuilder and they'll say, wow, that, that's ugly because they see it as a skeleton, you know, that you see on a wall. But there's not very many like that. Most people, uh, once they understand, they, they just like what they're looking at, you know. And uh, so <clears throat> bodybuilding and weight training is the only form of exercise that allows you to train every muscle group in your body. And some additional benefits are, anytime, take a set of squats. You could do a set of squats, you're going to work almost every internal organ in your body. You're going to be breathing heavy. <laughs> you're going to be burning calories, you know? That's so true. Unless you're going through the motions, just going through the motions will give you some benefit. I had a client ask me that the other day. He, he said, because uh, we were doing squats, and he's like, man, why that wins me so much? And I say, because it's taxing almost every system in your body. <laughs> it's very true. And, and, and by pumping oxygen into your system, you keep your bloods, your, your veins from clogging up. Uh, I had, last year, I had one of these dye tests done to check see if I had any blockages. And when I was waking up, the doctor looked at me and he says, you're clean. I said, what do you mean? He says, you don't have any blockages. Well, all these years that I've been weight training, uh, and, I, and I don't diet like a lot of other people, you know. I eat basically almost anything I want, <laughs> but I do it in moderation, don't get me wrong. Anyhow, um, it forces your blood through your veins, and it keeps your veins clean. So that's another benefit of weight training and bodybuilding. And when someone asks me, which I've been asked several times, when are you going to quit that? My question always is, when are you going to start? You know? <laughs> valid question, valid question. Yeah. yeah. And, and from the science point, because I'm a nerd and I read a lot of uh, research articles, they're, they're finding out more and more now how important exercise is for longevity. And not exercise itself, 
but also maintaining of muscle mass and, and the blood flow like you're speaking about. So everything you're saying is not just some old myth that just people keep repeating. It's, it's scientific also. Isn't that amazing that all these years we were bodybuilding and people looked at us as freaks and, and, and crazy, and now science is justifying everything that we would tell them when they would question us? Absolutely. You know, uh, I feel on top of the world. You know, I, I don't take any medicines. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that my time will come. But my dad lived to be 91. And I'll never forget when he was in his, his middle to, to late 80s, I had a nurse that was coming to the gym. And he had my dad as a client. My dad had wound up with, with uh, uh, congenital heart disease. And he says, I have never had someone his age, when I told him I was going to move him, no, no, get out of the way. I'm going to move myself. And he, he would just roll over himself or he would get out of the bed and do whatever it is I wanted. I didn't have to lift him. He says, majority of the people from 70 and all and, and on, he says, you got to go get somebody to help you to move them around. Well, I have genetics too. And, and him, both my parents live to be 91, mm-hmm. you know. So that's beneficial for me. But you're only going to be alive as long as God wants you to be alive. When he's through with your life and you've served him, no one's going to keep you here when he calls you home. Yep. And just like you can be in the middle of a war, in the middle of a battle, if he wants you alive, you're not going to get hit, you know, with a bullet or anything else. He's going to protect you. He tells you that. Yep. As long as you're here and you're serving me and I have a purpose for your life, you're not going anywhere. But when I call you home, ain't nobody going to keep you there either. So, yep. you know, weight training is beneficial to my livelihood, but it's not going to keep me from dying. But it can, it can, it may not, it may not make you live forever, but it'll add a lot of quality to your years that you do live. That's, that's for certain. But, but anyway, um, to answer your question, uh, the real fountain of youth, if, if you can, uh, weight train and bodybuilding the way I am and, and still have a viable appearance to you and, and live a quality of life, that's the real fountain of youth, you know, not a pill. Not anything else. Don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-medicine. When you're feeling bad, you know, I've, I've had the flu before and I've had illnesses and, and medicine has helped me, you know, but it's a temporary thing. It's not something that I rely on. And I've always felt that way, you know, and so there you are. To me, weight training, bodybuilding is a real fountain of youth. And you can start at any age because it will make a difference. The biggest thing in bodybuilding is being consistent. If you're consistent in doing it, you will reap the benefits. But don't train one day and then skip a week or two and then come back and do it again, skip a week or two, or work two days and then skip time. It doesn't work that way. The only time in all my life that I stayed away from weight training was nine months. I was working for a chemo- in a chemical plant, and they got rid of the, of the union labor. And in so doing, they put all the people in, in, uh, in, in the plant and to work in uh, 12-hour days, two different shifts, night and day shifts, 12 hours, and we would rotate that. Well, during those 12 hours, I lived an hour away from my work site. And so I would come home, and all I could do was get in bed and get up in a couple of hours and go back to work. And I did that for nine months till they finally had their own maintenance crew trained to where they could go back to normal hours. And at the very day that we changed, and I was able to sleep, 
my normal hours, the next day I was weight training again. You know, I couldn't wait to get back to it. Now, while I was, I was working, I would find a pipe and I would do some chin-ups and, and things like that. I was still exercising. Whatever you could do, But I yeah. wasn't weight training. I was dynamic tensioning. <laughs> well, you've, uh, you've definitely instilled a lot of wisdom today, Mr. Tom, and, and you've done that throughout my whole life to me. Um, not only from a, a training and a, a gym standpoint, but also from a faith standpoint. Um, and I know a lot of people, when they walk in and they see your poster, they read the little quote at the bottom. And that's a quote that you told me I might have been 16, 17 years old when you told me that. Um, you know what quote I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to just read it. Um, you had said, if Jesus can go through all that he went through, then I can at least get one more rep. Or why can't I get one more rep? And that's so, that's so powerful, and that's probably why it stuck with me as long as it has. And it's, re- it's really beautiful when you get to the meaning of it. But I want you to break that down for people who's listening, what, what you mean when you say that. Well, first and foremost— Because it's in, profound. Yeah, and talking about God, uh, I want people to know right off the bat that you can't push God on people. So that's not what I'm trying to do. You know, you have to come to God on your own. And I did. <clears throat> Christ lived 33 years so apparently 33 is probably the ultimate age in a human being. He had to be super strong physically to endure the cross. Mm-hmm. Now, he not only endured being nailed to that cross, it's everything that happened to him prior to there. You know, when he was maligned by his own people and, re- and rejected by his own people, he never, he never tried to defend himself in any way. He said nothing. And he had seven different court cases that he was tried, and he was found as in each time. But Pilate, who was the governor at the time, found him innocent, but he just turned him over because he was frustrated with the, with the Jews. He turned him over to them and said, do what you want, and that's what they did. Anyway, they wind up committing him to that cross. If you remember, he was beaten like crazy. He was whipped where his back was raw. Then they put a crown of thorns. That was Those thorns were, were cutting into his scalp the whole time that he kept it and dragged that heavy cross all the way to Golgotha, which is where the cross was hung. And uh, during that time, they beat him. They pulled his hair. They cursed him. They did whatever you could think of to where his face was almost unrecognizable when he got to that cross. Then he looked at that cross, and he was wasted physically and mentally. And he could feel those nails going through his hands and his feet. Try to imagine that, going through your hands and your feet. And then as he hung on that cross, gravity was tugging at his body, and his joints were coming apart, and he had to deal with all that, and he had to stay without sin during that whole time. And he was cognizant enough to, to defend his mother and talk to his mother at one point and even one of the other uh, uh, thieves that were on the cross that became a believer at the, that point in time. Mm-hmm. But the last three hours on the cross, he took on your sins, my sin, and every sin from, from the time of Adam all the way to the end of time. And God judged him because he was perfect. He satisfied God's perfect perfection, his righteousness, by staying perfect and taking on our sins, where then he became our substitute on the cross. But what I'm getting at is that during that whole time, he took his human body to a point of pain that you and I can't even imagine. 
He endured all that. And I said to myself, if he can endure that kind of pain, and he wasn't allowed to fail. If he failed, mankind was done. But now, by believing in what he did on the cross for us as an individual, we can have eternal life with God in heaven, not in the lake of fire or hell, as it's called. So, if he was able to endure that kind of pain, and he had to endure it because he couldn't fail, you and I are allowed to fail in bodybuilding, in exercise. So if I'm able to overcome the fear of pain and take my body to the maximum effort and endure that, that kind of pain, then I look at him and the agony that he went through, then maybe I can do one more rep and feel more agony than I thought. And the, the longer you can go before you reach uh, maximum effort and fail, because we're allowed to fail, he wasn't. And you reach maximum effort, you get maximum result. And I've always used that as an incentive. That's what I meant, that I can do one more rep. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, well, That's beautiful. Uh, okay. and, and then the outcome too, right? So like he suffered and it was, it was tremendous, unimaginable suffering like you, like you said. But it wasn't for nothing. It was for everything. For everything. And then just like our suffering in our own lives, us overcoming the pain in the gym, us overcoming suffering of life. It's not for nothing. It's for something meaningful also, right. right? So they parallel there too. And I think that's that was a beautiful thing for me, especially in hindsight now as, as I've grown as a person and I'm no longer a teenager when you had first shared that with me um, on how miraculous that statement is and, and what it actually means and how it can influence your life and the way you live. Well, how many times, it's not more so now than it, than it used to be, but there was a time for, for quite some time, where people would look at me or look at a bodybuilder and see them as a narcissist. They're preoccupied with themselves. And it's not so. There's such a thing as, as humility. And, and that's what God is, humble. When God talks about the meek, a lot of people look at that and say, well, a meek person is somebody who is weak. But that's not what meekness meant. It meant humility to God. A person who is meek is a person who is humble. And God says that if you humble yourself, you will be uh, uh, exalted. If, if you're able to humble yourself, you know, you can have the best physique in the world. And uh, a lot of times that's what Arnold did. He, he humbled himself, you know, and, and people admire that. Um, so if you can humble yourself, God is going to be glorified in the way you do things, and you're going to get the blessing. So I have the physique. And people look at me and they may say, man, I wish I was that way. You know, God, God is glorified because he's a person who sacrificed to achieve what he wanted to achieve. He persevered, etc. And it's like you giving something to your kid. You know, you're glorified when you see the happiness that it brings them. So God is glorified because it brings me contentment, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you shared, you shared a lot of wisdom with us today, Mr. Tom, and I, I, I thank you. Um, is there any is there any go home points you wanna anything you wanna say before we we end the episode? Well, the only thing that that I want to kind of reemphasize is I want to thank the community for supporting me all of these years, supporting the gym, you know, and I and I just hope again that I was able to give back to the community as much as they gave to me. And uh, uh, I thank you for giving me this opportunity. Uh, in the end, the only thing that I can say is that God is good. Amen, Mr. Tommy. Thank you so much. You're welcome.
Thank you all for listening to the episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to our podcast. That way, you don't miss the next episode. As always, we love to hear any and all feedback that you may have. So please feel free to reach out to us and definitely comment below. Stay healthy and live lifted.